Welcome, those of you joining us online, so glad you're here and thankful for uh, just the Lord's invitation to take us deeper. I would encourage you as we're greeting, uh, greet one another online in that message field um, and just let us hear from you this week if there's something stirring in your heart. We'd love to do so. God bless you. This is a good day. A good, good day. <clears throat> it's going to take us a little while to get there, but I'm hoping you're bringing your old-fashioned Bibles with you, so find 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and that's where we're going to um, point to and dig into just a bit. It's going to take us a little while before we get to that text of Scripture, and I'll point a few others out on that journey. But I am deeply grateful for the treasure of God's Word that we have in our everyday personal lives and certainly to be able to come together like this and celebrate the public declaration of Scripture and what that really means in the overall atmosphere of all of our lives as believers, ones who follow this great King Jesus. It's just such a reality uh, that has sustained and perpetuated through the generations. Just think about it. Jesus starting in such a modest expression of beginnings with just a few has-been individuals uh, that were following him and just everything has perpetuated the single most provable incident in the history of the world is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ just amazing and remarkable uh, the movement of the kingdom of God that has happened in the earth in nations of the world all around the world and billions of people worshiping Jesus this weekend in agreement with this declaration of worship it's wonderful so that's part of why we're so devoted to just not um, not just having church services or uh, you know doing a Sunday morning obligation thing and getting that out of the way so we can go live life uh, we really want to know what it means to serve him wholeheartedly seven days a week 24 hours a day knowing the heart of um, the psalmist David who writes you know I wake up in the night and I just think when is night going to be over? When am I going to get to stop sleeping so I can go and meet with God? You know, that type of passion in pursuing the Lord. God is more uh, sustaining to me than food that I eat and water that I drink. I mean, just understanding those passion declarations in His Word that so many times um, we just kind of leave out there in the fringe and don't really engage and explore. But, but we are called by God as a family to be outrageously loving people. So in these first five weeks of each year, we come back to these five things that we know the Lord's given us as the defining variables. So let's say it together. If you join with me uh, in this proclamation, we are outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord with irrationally giving lifestyles as we consistently submit to God's desires and effectively disciple others to do the same. In other words, we want to be like Jesus. We want to experience God's presence. We want to bring that to real life. And that's who he's called us to be. And so God is love. It's not just a characteristic of God. It's the identity of who he is. God is love. Uh, so that's where we begin. We want to be outrageously loving people who passionately pursue his heart. 
And that passionate pursuit uh, shows up in a lot of ways, in your devotions, in the way you seek the Lord personally, in the way we gather sacrificially. Uh, and I want to encourage you, we many times as a family put together uh, opportunities to express that passionate pursuit. And that's coming two weeks from today. We're going to be having a worship night where we're focusing in just on what it really means for us to encounter God in the supernatural atmosphere that he's called us to encounter him. How many of you know the gifts of the Spirit are for today? God wants us to be men and women who learn to listen and pay attention to the promptings of the Holy Spirit as our way of life. And so that night is going to be an emphasis of prayer and prophetic ministry, and we're really cultivating what that's going to look like. But I would encourage you, mark that down two weeks from today. We'll be gathering in here at 6 p.m. And then um, the first weekend of March is our Fuel the Fire event. And I did get word this last week. Welcome Destiny Table New York, by the way, online with us. Our uh, Dave and Mary Deerig from New York are going to be, who lead that charge there, are going to be joining us for Fuel the Fire coming live and in person in the building. So yeah, we are excited that you guys will be joining us here. And... Um, Henry, who's born in Nigeria, leads a church in England. He'll be coming this year. Stephen Esther, of course, from the UK. So we're looking forward to that. It's going to be a big weekend. Mark that down, first weekend of March. Friday is just going to be a day of fasting and praying. And I would invite you just literally take that day, if you can get that day off, and come and press in. And let's just spend the day fasting and praying. What a novel thought, not to just come together and have a you know, Friday night rally where we get everybody hyped up as our start. But actually, we scale back off of that and just go into a place where we're just saying, Lord, would you do something powerful, profound, and supernatural as we just pray and ask the Lord uh, to have his way in the course of that weekend. But it'll be Friday night, Saturday, all morning, and then a special ladies' luncheon that day. So passionately pursuing. And today, um, irrationally giving. So this is really, um, I'm going to kind of steer us into some things today that it's been interesting just listening to the Lord over uh, what I believe is the conversation he wants to have. And I really, I want to ask you, please, please, let's practice paying attention to what he has to say, even when we're listening to somebody standing on a platform speaking. You know, whether whoever of our teaching team is standing here, our goal is not to get you to listen to the clever of man. Our goal is to get us all to experience the power of God. You don't need a man to teach you, First John 2, for the anointing <clears throat> will teach you. In other words, there has to be anointing here for this to really be productive or it's just religious Pharisee behavior. And so um, today I know the Lord wants to awaken something of the generous nature of God within us as his way of expanding God's kingdom in the earth. This is really um, just some of the pieces that have come together as I've prayed into this, I feel like are, are really to be significant for all of us today. And I want us to just think in these terms, we are enriched by God. Uh, let, let's start with that question. Who in this place has been enriched by God? You know, like you went from death to life, from darkness to light. I mean, we're enriched by God. Let's do give God thanks for that. Can we just join together in it? And just so thankful. Um, just where we used to be, who we used to be, where we are today, and who God's called us to be, designed us to be, desires us to be. Our lives are so enriched by God. And so think about the statement, when we are enriched by God, 
and generous like Jesus, the world becomes a better place. We would all agree that we are enriched by God, but how many of us would agree that we're generous like Jesus? Like, that's a bit more of a stretch, isn't it? Like, uh, the bottom line is, I want you to understand my goal in even the conversation that I feel the Lord is asking me to contribute today is not that I try to get you to act more like Jesus, but that all of us understand we're not as nice as he is, so we want to surrender to him and allow him to be kind through our surrender. He'll take us, like, he'll be way nicer than any of us are. Like, the nicest person in the room, I don't know who you are. Uh, I'm not a candidate for that. I try, but I'm not the, ca the candidate for the nicest person. If someone in this room would technically be the nicest person in the room, and how many of you know they're not as nice as Jesus? And so they're not as loving as Jesus, not as generous as Jesus, not as kind, compassionate, non-judgmental, able to be, uh, you know, to manage people's weakness, failure, frustration, disappointments in a way that uh, they actually feel embraced and loved. In their, in their darkest moment, they still find hope. Like that's the kind of loving Jesus we serve. And he wants to love others through us in that kind of a way. So what we know as outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord, irrationally giving people live consistently generous lives as an expression of worship to the Lord, releasing God's kingdom in the earth. So we want to be consistently generous in our lifestyle. Everywhere we go, introducing the uh, generosity of Christ as we surrender to him. So this is what I think. I think it's really important for us to understand in terms of even sharing Christ with the world around us. How many know we do live in a skeptical world? Uh, and largely, let's just, let's just let this land where it needs to. Uh, as the modern-day church, in many ways, uh, we have simply not done a good job allowing God's generous nature to be demonstrated through our surrendered available lives. The, the church tends to be just as materialistic as the world is. You think about that for just a moment. Like materialism has to be broken off of our lives in order for us to express and demonstrate something of a different order, from a different realm, part of a different world, citizens of a different place. But the church tends to be just as materialistic and greedy as the world does. And the Lord wants to address and adjust and deal with some of those things within our heart. But ultimately, you have a five-foot circle of people. Wherever you go, wherever you work, wherever you shop, uh, your coffee shop, whatever that looks like in your everyday life, you have a five-foot circle of people, people around you that are within your reach. And those people in your five-foot circle, by and large, have very little understanding or evidence that there is actually a loving God in heaven who wants to genuinely, authentically care for their soul. That makes sharing the gospel pretty difficult. And what we need to understand is just actions speak louder than words. And the actions of the church are prevailing in the world more than the words we might speak. Jesus loves you. And we lob our religious cliches here and there. We're not necessarily demonstrating deep compassion that actually is born from the heart of God. And God wants to awaken that within us as we walk this out. So... <clears throat> I want to dive into that and really hit that hard with you. Usually when I get to this segment or we get to this segment uh, of, of learning what it is to be irrationally giving, then we 
bring a focus and an emphasis on tithing and, and offerings and what that looks like for the church. And, and I want to point to that, and I want you to understand that. I'm not going to take a lot of time with that because there's something broader that the Lord's wanting to release among us and within us. But, but please hear me. This is so important that you understand because I even two weeks ago somebody said it, and we hear it often, how do you give in this church? Like We don't talk about giving very much here. We don't pass plates. How do we give in this church? And the reason people have to ask that question is because we've just decided we're not going to be materialistic in our passionate pursuit of trying to get money. Like That's not our goal. Our goal is to awaken the church to understand your giving is your worship to the Lord your God. And we all have an attitude of faith in that regard. We understand budgetary needs and all that, but it's an attitude of faith that says, Lord, we're trusting you to awaken in the hearts of your people obedience that actually then will release the kingdom of God to expand in the earth. And so you'll, uh, when, when, you know, when you're giving, then you, you can text give to a number that will pop up on the screen so you can get that in order and, and easily be able to access that avenue of giving, giving online. There are these giving stations in the room here. If you like to give during worship, you can drop a check or credit card number or whatever, how you want to do that. Giving kiosks in the lobby. You can download the app. I mean, there are different number of ways that you can do this. But the thing I want you to understand, and what's so important to all of us, our eldership, our team, our leaders, is that you need to understand this is an expression of worship in your life. It's worship. Giving needs to be worship. And it needs to be that aspect of it. And it is God's plan. <laughs> always has been a part of God's plan that giving be a part of worship. Would you agree with that? I'd like you to wholeheartedly, if you agree with it, say amen when I say it one more time. It has always been God's plan for giving to be a part of our worship to him. Amen. It has always been part of the plan. We see it throughout scripture. And we see people a lot of times arguing against this idea. And most of the time, just being frank and being honest, when somebody wants to argue against the idea of tithing, it's because they're trying to argue themselves into a justification that they do not want to have to give. And, and I understand, like, it, it really takes trust and confidence and a, a surrender to the Lord. And, and, you know, Martin Luther said there are two conversions for every Christian. There's a conversion of the soul where they come to know Christ and a conversion of the pocketbook that some people never uh, experience. And, and I understand uh, it is a, a challenge. But, but to dispel the argument, this is not an Old Testament law. The reason tithing is not an Old Testament law is because Abram tithed to Melchizedek before the law was ever given. And then the law reiterated it, and then Jesus told the Pharisees, you shouldn't neglect the tithe. And then Paul told the Corinthians, give in keeping with the sum of money according to what you make. I mean, tithe means 10%. And I know people will say, Pastor, are you saying to me, you want me to give the first 10% of our income to this storehouse where we are spiritually fed to see God's kingdom expand in the earth? Is that really what you're saying? And the answer is, yes, that is what I am saying. Because, yes, that is what the Bible says. Now, this is a day where it's not uh, you know, necessarily enjoyable to get up and declare these types of things because there are so many uh, misnomers about perspectives and pursuits and passions of the church. But I want you to know our heart is that your heart be positioned well before the Lord in all of it. So I'll give you one final verse on this, and then I want us to talk about Beyond that, what it looks like in terms of a lifestyle of generosity. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23, just says it clearly. The purpose of tithing is to teach you. This is the purpose. This is why it's in the Bible. The purpose of tithing is to teach you 
to always put God first in your lives. So, wrestle with it. Some of you need to really bring that before the Lord and just ask him to help you conquer the neglect in that area of giving in your life. But I want you to understand something. God's not interested in 10%. And, and that's what I want us to understand and look at today from a broader perspective. Uh, there's this crazy verse, and when I read it, I just thought, man, this is pretty wild. Luke 14, says, So then none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. Welcome to the kingdom of God. I mean, I, I was just reflecting on that, you know, a couple of weeks ago when I was praying into the message today, and I just thought, man, like, I, you know, I'm nervous about saying 10%, and then the Lord's like, I want it all. This is what we all have to understand. God owns it. How many of you know God made everything? It's all his. God owns it, and God loans it, and you're not an owner. You're a steward, and you take what he owns and what he loans, and you use it for the duration of your life. And how you steward what God has entrusted to your care actually, please hear this, actually determines whether you are settling for earthly reward or if you are pursuing heavenly reward that God wants you to pursue. Those are two different perspectives. You can have an awesome life and build a cool, awesome you know, house and, and everything focuses on you spending everything God's entrusted to your care for you and you can do well for yourself and come to the end of your life and say, I have enjoyed life and I've taken care of my family and I, you know, this, this is, it's been great. And that is your earthly reward. But when you begin to purposefully pursue the sacrificial expression to invest in God's kingdom in a way that makes a difference everywhere you go, God's kingdom begins to expand and your reward then is released for you in the scope of eternity. That is a big deal. And, and the Bible's very clear, like God's not afraid of you chasing proper reward he makes it very clear that we should be pursuing reward it's just that we should be pursuing a healthy reward the disciples you remember that when they said i want to be the greatest who'll be the greatest and they're arguing over who's going to be great i don't know if you realize it or not but jesus didn't look at them and say you guys should not be talking about being great right now he actually cooperated with there's something in every one of us that knows we're born for more than the world in which we live He didn't tell them, don't pursue greatness. He simply redefined greatness according to an eternal point of view. And he said, if you want to be great, serve others. That's great. Now go chase it and do the very best you can. Come on, that's the kingdom of God. In other words, we're learning the character of God and the characteristics of Christ that actually should consume our lives in this passionate pursuit of the things of God. And in that, we learn to be irrational in how generous we are. I want to say it again. Irrationally giving people live consistently generous lives as an expression of worship to the Lord, releasing God's kingdom in the earth. Are you hearing that declaration, that statement, and what that really means? You, You understand generosity produces flourishing everywhere it goes. Just try it. Next time you go out to dinner, make it, a, make it a point to leave a really exceptional tip, a, a 
just generous, generously, you know, really bless whoever it is that's waiting on the table and, and just be exceptional with that and watch what happens. Like this, it's just crazy, but generosity shows up and produces flourishing. This happens in friendship. Listen carefully. This happens in the workplace. Just learn generosity as your way of life and the kingdom of God begins to emerge in that moment. This happens in marriage. This happens in the church. This happens everywhere we go. We are, I want to, it's important that we come back to this every once in a while. So just, just for clarity's sake, you can't go to church because you are the church. So we gather as the church to be mobilized, inspired, and empowered to go out and be the church. So go be the church and let generosity show up everywhere you go and see the kingdom of God manifest in those lives and relationships. I'm so glad we gather, but gathering is only for the purpose of sending. And if we don't understand that, then we just become this inward-focused club. But everywhere we go should be the expression of God's kingdom. And so I want you just to think about this because this, the, the world around us is so skeptical of the love of God. And largely, I'll reiterate again, it's because the church is in many ways as materialistic as the world. So there's no difference there, and the world then is not being introduced to a loving God who actually wants to sacrificially make a difference when we know that for God so loved the world that he gave, and so we recognize love gives. We see that in the example of God. Now imagine, imagine with me just for a moment. You're at work, and you've become friends with a, a co-worker. This is a companion that you know. You know a little bit of what's going on in their life. They're going through a very difficult time. You've found out just through interaction. They haven't necessarily told you everything, but you know that they're really going through a difficult time. If you're married, you've had this conversation with your spouse. If you're single, you're just praying and asking the Lord, but you've got this companion at work, and they're going through a difficult time, and you say something crazy like this. Hey, Listen, just let me be a friend to you in this situation. And I've got your mortgage this month. I just, I want to take it this month. No, I know, I know. Just let me take it this month while you get back on your feet. That person is going to be like, what is wrong with you? Which will help them start to understand what is right with you which will ultimately lead them to consider what might be wrong with them. And then you're no longer having to work hard to convince them of the love of Jesus because you just witnessed to them as effectively as you could possibly witness to them by allowing the generous nature of God to actually be expressed through your surrendered available life to them. The world around us is so skeptical because they've not seen this type of irrational generosity coming from the heart of Jesus, surrendered people that carry that heart into the friendships of the world. No, no strings attached. I'll pay your mortgage if you'll come to church with me this weekend. No. Don't do that. There's, there just seems to be a hook in, in our love often. And, and it's pretty important that we reiterate this often as a church family. Don't let your love ever have a hook. Your job is not to change anybody. Your job is to love everybody. So stop trying to change people. You won't love them well if you're trying to change them. And just learn to love them, period. Just love them and let God do the rest. It's amazing to think about this. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9, let's see how Paul describes everything I'm trying to explain to you here as we read the scripture together. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 8 to 11. 
And God is able to bless you abundantly. Are you glad? He is able to bless you abundantly with purpose. Notice, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. His blessing in your life is to mobilize you to understand and express the eternal values of heaven. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. This is talking about believers. They have freely blessed others, scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You, children of God, sons and daughters of God who are blessed by God, you will be enriched in every way so you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I'll be generous to people around me. They then won't know what to do with it, and ultimately it will result in thanksgiving to God. An open doorway of the gospel begins to happen in the midst of all of this. How many of you know God really wants to stir something up in our hearts today? So here's a really important principle. It's not going to pop up on your screen. It's not one of our phrases, but it's something I would highly recommend you write down because <clears throat> you're going to need to think about it. Generosity never begins the moment you have the urge to be kind. Generosity never begins the moment you have the urge to be kind. You actually prepare for this. You actually plan for this. You actually budget for this. You actually, that whole deny yourself thing that we read about in Scripture, that actually applies in this. Like instead of just lavishing all of my expenditures on myself, I actually deny myself on purpose so that I am purposefully preparing to be a blessing to others and I'm not stressed out with my finances to the you know very last penny of the month I'm actually preparing and asking the Lord for wisdom and guidance to walk this out in a way that I'm able to be a blessing to others so I would encourage you uh, destinyokc.com forward slash finances if you go to our website to that link you will actually find a budget spreadsheet uh, I would suggest you download that and learn to budget your money. Spend your money on purpose before you spend your money on accident. Just write it down. How am I going to do it? And then just you know, aim for it. You'll get better at it as you do this. There, there are workshops on there that are free and available for you. Uh, three hours of workshops of just budgeting. The first one is about how we work for money, and we learn how to do that effectively. And then we talk about how 
to make money work for you. And that's the second focus of the workshop. And then the third workshop is a more advanced perspective of how to make money work without you. It's just some real basic kingdom principle ideas, and that's just available for you to be able to go online and take a look at Download the spreadsheet. I mean, just give yourself to focusing in on what it means to live a life of denying to myself so that I can become more generous in my everyday surroundings. Irrationally giving people, I want to say it a third time, irrationally giving people live consistently generous lives as an expression of worship to the Lord, releasing God's kingdom in the earth. How many of you want to do that? Like, I'm ready. Lord, would you help me to learn what that means? It's more blessed to give than receive. I mean, it's a rigged deal. It winds up being your blessing to put this into motion. Anyway, it's just the, it's the generous nature of God. When we obey his word, it just works out for our best. And your kids will never learn generosity from their buddies. They're going to have to learn this from the nature of Christ being awakened with you, demonstrated by you, your grandkids. I mean, just beautiful to involve your family in these types of expressions where you honor the Lord. So I want us to take some time to listen and pray. Worship team, if you guys will go ahead and make your way up. I want us to take some time to listen and pray. And I believe God speaks to us a whole lot more than what we understand. And so just we're going to take a few moments just to listen. And I want you to pay attention to who the Lord brings to mind as we take some time just to listen. This week in your five-foot circle, who is it that the Lord brings to your mind? And that's just getting a word of direction by the Spirit of God. How many you know that many, as many as are led by the Spirit of God? These are the sons and daughters of God. We need to be led by the Spirit of God as our way of life. And so it's not just haphazardly, you know, you get up and you're tired, you're exhausted, you just race through your day and you fall in bed at night. No, we're actually waking up on purpose, spending time in prayer, listening to the Lord, digging into the Word, walking through our day, paying attention to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, pausing when we sense the grace of God uh, on, a, on a moment of conversation, watch for grace, follow favor, pay attention when you sense the presence of the Lord in a moment and lean into that moment. You might be busy and going somewhere. There might be somebody who said, my daughter is sick and I need you to come pray for her. And you're walking through a crowd of people and somebody grabs the hem of your garment and, and you turn around and you stop. Even though they all want you over here, you pause. Why? Because you sense the grace, a shift of something going on in your life in that moment. This is the lifestyle Jesus demonstrated. Don't just be so busy in the rat race that you're missing the point when God's trying to grab a moment and pay attention by loving people around you well. It's just a spirit-led life. And so as the music just begins to play, I want you just to pay attention to the names maybe that pop up in your mind. Somebody that just gets placed on your heart. Somebody that you think of, you know, in the course of maybe that you will see this week or now that the Lord brings them to mind, you'll purpose to interact with them. So just in a moment of quiet, let's really position ourselves to hear him. And let me ask you, like you can't do this because you want to be, you know, spiritual or religious. This, this comes as a result, listen carefully, this comes as a result of knowing Jesus Christ and being spiritually alive. 
not just trying to be a good person, but actually going from death to life. How many of you are glad Jesus came, lived, died, is risen from the grave so that you and I might have life? Can I have an amen? <laughs> I mean, come on. That, that changes everything. But you can go to church and sit in a service like this and not have really devoted your heart to Christ. So can we just start there for a moment? Just listen. Lord, I know that you're wanting to introduce us to the deeper realities of God, particularly in the course of this year. So we just want to surrender to you. Just with your eyes closed and your heart open wide, if you're here and you say, I don't know that I really know Christ. That's a pretty big decision. Like That's the most important decision you'll ever make is to surrender to Jesus. If that's you, you say, I'm not sure I'm even a Christian. Maybe you say, I've never accepted Christ or whatever that is. If you're uncertain of where you stand with God, just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you before we go on. I'm going to ask the Lord just to begin to speak to our hearts. Anybody here? Father, I just thank you that there's an awakening that you're desiring for us to explore and to experience in this hour of what you're doing in the church and through the church and the world around us. So we just come to you, Lord, as sons and daughters. Say we want to be obedient, responsive, learn to walk in this collaborative, conversational relationship with God as our way of life. So speak to our hearts right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'm just going to give you a, a few moments just to quiet your heart and thoughts before the Lord. And as the Lord may bring somebody specifically to mind that he wants you to love well this week, then make a note of who that is. But let's just listen for a few moments before we move forward. 